Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we, um, we come to you in worship today, God, uh, recognizing that you have so much truth and wisdom and life for us to experience here on this earth, God. And, um, and God, you have blessed us with so much, and you want to continue blessing us with so much um, through faith, through grace, in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that we can experience that blessing more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, a lot going on in the life and in the basement of the parsonage, uh, but we're glad to gather together as the church and worship. I'm Pastor Andrew, if we haven't met one of the pastors here. And uh, today we're talking about everybody's favorite topic. That's obedience. I'm sure we all love to talk about being obedient. Um, you know, recently we've been talking a lot about uh, this emphasis on action, moving our uh, belief into action, kind of the tagline of this sermon series, uh, because sometimes it's hard to tell in the Western world who the Christians are and who they aren't. Um, sometimes there's not a lot of distinguishing differences between how we live as Christians and how the world around us is living. Um, and that's kind of problematic, because it's a broken, sinful, misdirected world, and we don't want to be broken, sinful, misdirected people if Jesus is transforming us. We want to show something different, something better. We want to show what true life in Christ looks like. And so we're finding these practical ways to grow in our faith, to take steps. And today we're talking about uh, this idea of obedience. What does it mean to be obedient to God? And not just in big, big, obvious things, but in little, simple, daily ways in our lives as well. So, so what do you think of when you hear the word obedience? What comes to your mind? If you are an American history buff and a patriot, you probably don't want to be obedient to the Brits right now, do you, right? Uh, you don't want to be obedient to some force that doesn't really have your best interests in mind. Maybe if you have a military background, obedience is pretty clear to you, what's expected. Like Allison was talking about, if you have parents, if you grew up with parents that set guidelines and expected you to follow those guidelines, that was me, um, you learned what obedience was, sometimes very slowly, through your childhood or through your teenage years. Um, or maybe um, laws, following the laws of the land. Uh, some of you might be people that come to a complete stop at this stop sign out here. Some of you might not be, and I see you. <laughs> yeah, you all know Chris Dahl. He can't sit in the recliner in our living room when he visits because it's so distracting when vehicles don't stop at the stop sign. So... And then there's work structures. Many of you fall into some sort of hierarchy, a chain of command in your workplace, and there's a certain amount of loyalty or obedience that it's expected of you, even if you don't necessarily agree with what's being imposed on you. So obedience is something we have to live out in different venues in our lives. Um, sometimes it's a really good and healthy thing. Sometimes we are trying to be forced to be obedient to something that is not healthy. And that's something that we need to be aware of. But for our conversation today, we're talking about discipleship, faith, and obedience within the context of Jesus, within the context of trying to follow Jesus with our whole lives. And so there's different levels of obedience. You can think of it kind of as a spectrum, right? On one end, we have all kinds of disobedience when it comes to matters of faith and God's life for us, matters of sin. Uh, disobedience, being disobedient to God, whether on purpose or by accident, or because we haven't really come to learn the truth, those are all things that the scriptures categorize as sin. So that's disobedience. Maybe the next step over 
on this spectrum would be obedience for fear of punishment. Now, as a kid, I learned a lot that way, right? I, I had to know that I didn't understand that this was right or wrong, but I had to understand there was a consequence. And as I grew up, I came to understand, yes, this is right and wrong, but I didn't develop that sort of moral reasoning until I was a little older, right? So uh, punishment, it, you know, I learned pretty quickly. If I was going to lash out at or hit one of my siblings, I was going to be punished. I learned quickly not to do that because I didn't like to be punished. I didn't like when my parents were upset with me, right? And so maybe you've lived through that as well. And there might be a place and a time for that, particularly when we're younger. But as we grow older, we're kind of expected culturally, but I think in Christ, to start to learn his heart and to start to learn what is good and what is holy and what is pleasing to God. So the next step on this spectrum is obedience because we agree with what is right or wrong or moral. Moral agreement, right? So many of us would do the right thing because we know that it is the right thing to do and we agree with that. And sometimes we don't do what is right and we feel convicted of that because we do actually know better, right? Sometimes we act in a way or we get frustrated or we lash out in anger towards our spouse or whatever. We know it's not right. That's actually a good thing if we, if we feel convicted after that. And then on the far end of the spectrum that we're moving towards today, obedience as living a transformed life in Christ. To me, this looks a little different. This isn't just like moral agreement. Um, this is something that comes far more naturally as we know Christ more and he pours into us more through this relationship that we cultivate in faith. Uh, this might include something like integrity. Um, do you put the shopping cart back? when you're done, even if nobody's around to see you not put it back? Uh, do you stop at the four-way stop, even if there's no police officer watching you? You know, doing the right thing because you are pleased to do the right thing. This might include doing things to bless other people or to better someone else's life, even if it wouldn't be wrong not to. So uh, living in, in Christ means that we're living from this bless mentality rather than a duty mentality. And sometimes the duty is a good thing. It makes up for those times where we don't feel like doing the right thing, where we don't feel like going above and beyond to bless somebody else. But we kind of want to move in this direction, where we are so in love with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we are pleased to do what he would have us do. And that others might actually see that joy that comes through being obedient to Jesus Christ in our lives. So today we're talking about the little things, practical obedience and the little things. What do we mean by this? Um, our practical faith as followers of Jesus isn't necessarily about moving mountains every day. It's not always about moving mountains and seeing huge changes. It's about simple steps of faithfulness, mindfulness to God's commands, to his word, and an attentiveness to the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us as we learn what it means to follow Jesus. It also means that we tend to the whole word of God. We talked about that last week. If we don't just want to tend to the parts that we already know or just tend to the parts that are easy for us or convenient in the world that we live in. We want to tend to the entirety of God's word. That would be an act of obedience. And so many Christians want to see God move in huge ways in their lives and in the church, and in our culture, 
But we, and I include myself in this, we are often not willing to take the small steps of obedience in those areas. It's like we want all of the blessing and the goodness of God, but when it comes to this little thing here, we're not going to tend to that and be obedient and faithful. And when it comes to this little thing over here, maybe we just don't think it's that important to tend to in our lives. So the scriptures often tie this idea of obedience to blessing. And what I mean by that is this. There, there is some biblical correlation between our level of obedience to God and our realization or openness to God's blessing. And so I have some scriptures uh, that are very clear on this, and you heard a couple of them in our scripture readings this morning. So first one I want to read for you is Deuteronomy 5.33. It says, walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. That so that implies a correlation, some sort of cause and effect. 1 Kings 2.3 says this, observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do wherever you go. This scripture uh, encourages us to observe what the Lord your God requires, which means we learn. We grow in our understanding of what God sees as good and holy and true. And we do it so that we may prosper in all that we do. Again, we see this correlation, right, between our obedience and our ability to experience God's blessing. And then for all of you who say, wait, that's just the Old Testament, you know, Jesus talks about this too. John 14, 23 says this, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So loving Christ and following his commands opens the door to him dwelling with us and in us and through us. That's pretty powerful. That's the New Testament for you. That's Jesus' words for you. Now hear me out, because there's a pitfall here. There's a ditch when we, when we talk about this. And this is really important. I am not suggesting that we believe the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is a false teaching in the church that says that our good works earn us earthly riches. That is not what I'm talking about. That is garbage, and we can throw that in the trash and not believe that and live accordingly, Okay. We do not earn God's favor, we do not earn his love, but we do grow in our ability to see it, to accept it when he offers it, and to live into God's favor and grace as we better understand and live out the gospel. So, for example, if we are disobedient in the area of honoring our father and mother, as I'm sure none of us have ever been, if we are disobedient in that area, and we, we go down that path over and over again, um, we may miss out on the blessing of having a good relationship with our parents later in lives, or maybe them with our kids, grandparents and grandkids. It affects things, sometimes generationally, sometimes in really, really good, healthy ways, sometimes in not so good ways. Another example is this. If we spend our time being disobedient in the areas of greed and coveting what this person has or this person has, we'll miss out on the blessing of contentment that God has actually given us and has promised to provide all that we need and wants us to enjoy his presence. 
It's a mentality shift. It's, it's a repentance. It's turning away from the things that cause us to stumble, the things that are unholy, the sin, turning away and focusing on Jesus, focusing on what is redeeming to us and what is healthy to us. Psalm 128, one says this, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. They are blessed. So yes, biblically, there's certainly a correlation between our willingness to be obedient and our ability to be blessed or to live into or realize God's blessing. And so here we find why this is so important to the way of Jesus. Um, Our obedience matters. It's part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And to our world, obedience should only go as far as it's beneficial to you. It's a selfish obedience. It's a what's-in-it-for-me obedience. When we're being obedient to Jesus, it's different. It's, in our conversations here, it's, a part, it's about moving our Jesus-is-my-savior belief into our action, right? It's part of the church and this church following through on our commitment to live as Christians, to follow Jesus in action, those things that were spoken in our baptisms over us, um, those things that we went on to profess for ourselves at our confirmation or at other pivotal times in our faith, it's about following Jesus. It's about being open to God's love and work and goodness in our lives. So a Christian who is obedient to Jesus And Jesus' way is a growing, vibrant, and grace-filled person. Growing, vibrant, grace-filled. A church, a congregation that is obedient to Jesus and his way is a church that is committed, it is generous, and it is mission-minded at every level of the congregation, not just the pastor or the leadership. And then a global church, Christianity across the globe, that is obedient to Jesus and his way, it is a spirit-filled agent of change in our culture and in our societies, bringing hope to the hopeless, freedom to the oppressed, and salvation to the lost. That's what following Jesus produces in its fruit here on earth. And this is our goal, friends. This is our goal. This is the glorious reality that God invites us into. This is the gift that can be opened at any time. But as I've said it before, Jesus isn't going to force us to do these things. He's not going to force us to be obedient. He's not going to trick us into be obedient or coerce us in any way. We are free to be obedient to Jesus Christ. But on the flip side, we are just as capable of turning our backs and walking away. And as we consider where we are at in our own walk, personally, our families, our congregation, as we consider this, this is where we want to be honest with ourselves and with God. Do our lives measure up to obedience? And in the areas where they don't, which is all of us, how can they? How can we grow and continue to grow in this area? So where do we need to be obedient? This, this part of the message this morning uh, is going to sound a little bit like the one on discipleship a few weeks ago. Uh, it's not comprehensive. There, there's a million different ways that we could probably encourage more obedience for the Christian in our culture today. Uh, But it goes hand in hand with this idea that we actually do need to name some of the things in our world and in our culture that demand our obedience that aren't Jesus. So some of these things may come up, um, and like the message a few weeks back, this is a general critique of Western church and culture. It's not something that is particularly going after one thing or another. 
Um, all of these things fall under our Luke 9.23, which has come up at least five times now in this series, that if we are going to be disciples of Jesus, we are to die to ourselves daily, take up our cross, and follow him. If we are going to be obedient to God's word, to Jesus, and to a biblical worldview, in the little things and in the big things, then we need to consider these following things. So, the first one that we can talk about, and again, I think we'll all agree, this is huge in our culture, is time. What does it look like to be obedient to the Lord with our time? And this goes along with the concept of Bible study, as we talked about last week, with prayer that we talked about the week before that. Are we willing to make the time? Are we willing to step into this um, relationship that God calls us into where we actually will benefit greatly from that? And it goes along with learning more about Jesus and what the truth is, being mindful of God's word. Are we willing to take the time to study and to listen and maybe even to teach others when God has stirred that up in us? And with worshiping and being part of the Christian community, the church, are we going to protect that time or are we going to surrender that time to other things? And it goes along with our willingness to follow Jesus at any moment at the risk of being delayed, maybe inconvenienced a little bit. So I ask you, if you do a self, honest self-assessment with your time, are you being obedient to Jesus with your time? And like I asked last week, does your calendar and your to-do list reflect the importance of following Jesus? Are you giving the time to your faith to grow, to learn, to study, to pray? Are you giving time? What does obedience look like that for you? So that's one area where I think we can grow. And when I say we, again, your imperfect pastor is right there with you. The next area, repentance. This is a big one, too. Repentance from sin. Are we being obedient and repenting from the sin in our lives that weighs us down, that leads us into other areas, leads us away from Jesus? Now, some sins are easier to turn from than others. Sometimes all it takes is a decision, I'm not going to do that anymore, and you're good. Um, some require nothing short of a full-on intervention by family, friends, law enforcement. It really depends, right? Obedience to Jesus means that we develop a strong aversion to the sin in our lives that entangles us and holds us down. And we develop a strong aversion to the sin in our culture. And we learn healthy ways to address that and advocate for God's truth and God's righteousness. It means that we are willing to have God lead us to whatever extent is necessary to rid our lives of that thing that is fracturing and keeping us from him. So maybe that thing separating from God is as simple as gossip. Are we willing to repent from that? Maybe it's an addiction to a drug or a chemical or something like pornography. Are we willing to go to whatever length it takes to turn away from that? Maybe that thing is unforgiveness or hatred towards a family member or a former friend festering in us. Are we, willing, are we willing to repent from that, to turn that over to the Lord? Or maybe it's something just really simple, because we're talking about simple things today. Maybe it's how you treat your children or your spouse. Maybe it's how you treat the shopping cart in the Walmart parking lot. No, I'm just kidding. 
Sin exists, exists in so many different ways, so many different levels, but God calls us to repent and experience life. So are we willing to repent? Are you willing to be obedient to Jesus and repent, to turn from your sin, even if it could be the hardest thing you've ever done? I think Jesus has shown that it's worth it and it's faithful. The next area is money. Culturally, this is a tough one, maybe the toughest. We live in a very affluent culture. You all know this. What does it look like to be obedient to Jesus in the area of money? Um, this is probably one of the hardest, and I, and I shared about that and how it's hard for me earlier. Um, this American dream looks really good. This thought of being independent because of the size of our bank account looks really good and appealing. But God, through the scriptures, calls us to a different paradigm. And it's not money is evil, so that's not what I'm saying. The Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Every good and perfect gift. And that we only have the breath of life because God gave it to us. God has made it so. And our entire existence, this world, and our lives, down to every second, is because God has meant it to be. We have this opportunity to glorify God in all that we do. That's, that's a, a biblical paradigm on all the things that we are and have, right? So when that idea translate to money, translates to money, it looks more like this. Um, all of my money is a gift from God. Well, all that I have honestly earned or received is a gift from God. Not the money that I've gained from slandering or cheating or anything like that. I would call that a curse. Um, but the, all the money that we have honestly earned or received as a gift from God. All that I have is God's. Every possession, every little bit of time, every day, all that I have is God's, and all that I am and all that the resources that I have are be because of God and because God can be glorified in and through those things. This is a whole different mentality than what we generally have in the area of finances and money with scriptures. So there's a discipline in scriptures called tithing, right? It's this idea where God's people, recognizing this truth that all that they have and all that they are is from God, they give the first 10% of their income or their harvest or whatever it is back to God and his work and his ministry and his kingdom. But we have a mentality in the Western world and in the United States today in our culture that rarely considers what following Jesus looks like in the area of money. And we have a hard time parting with money when we're faced with our own financial insecurity. Um, that, that's me right there. Reading the book on me, right? So um, one of the first times where my family and I took a leap of faith and decided to tithe uh, was this. So it was about 11-ish, 12-ish years ago. And if you've ever worked at a Bible camp, you know they don't pay a lot, right? So I was working at Riverside full-time. Allison and I had been married for a few years, and we were living in Ames. Um, she was working two different part-time jobs, and we were, had a house payment. You know, we had all these things. Money was tight. Um, it was tight in that season. And then along came Josiah, our first child. And the medical bills that come along with having a baby at Mary Greeley. And money was tight, right? You know, you've been there. Um, and in that season, we were part of a congregation that was challenging people to step out in faith, and to be generous. And so for the first time in our lives, we set a direct withdrawal on our tithe. You know, I was the guy that said, I want to give it and give it on purpose, right? 
what that really translated to was, I'm not going to remember, and I'm not going to go back and give God the back pay, right? So if I remember, I'll take some money to church and put it in the offering plate. So that was the time in our lives where we set up a direct withdrawal. We set up a tie, $300 a month. And um, not, not one day goes by where we aren't thankful for that. It, it set a new tone in our marriage. It set a new tone in our family and what we were really going to do to value God's faithfulness and God's provision for us. And it's not like God made us rich the next day. That's not what we're talking about here, not the prosperity gospel. Um, but we saw God move in some new ways that we hadn't seen him moving before. He made a way for us for our expenses to go from here to here. He provided us a very cheap place to live above Dinners by Dawn's. For over two years we lived there, $350 a month rent. Um, it was a blessing. It was a huge blessing for us. And I don't think it would have come if we hadn't put the Lord first and been obedient in that area. So I, so I ask you, there, there's one simple story. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your history is with this. Do you trust God with your money? Or, or maybe better, do you trust God with his? Do you trust God with his money? And are you being obedient with it? Are you using the financial resources that God has blessed you with to honor and glorify God and bless others? And then the last big area we're going to look at this morning is serving and blessing others. This has been one of the hallmarks of Christianity from day one, how Christians treat those that culture doesn't want to treat nice or kindly. Uh, our James text really hits this. Uh, James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This suggests that we take care of and are mindful of those that our culture doesn't take care of and are mindful of. Uh, maybe the least, maybe the oppressed, and that we tend to other people in the name of Jesus. The Gospels show us that Jesus had a tremendous heart for the sick, right? And he had a tremendous heart for the children, and the meek, and the lower class, and the outcast, and the sinner. And then Jesus goes to them, and he takes time for them. Now, Jesus had public ministry for just a few years, right? Three-ish years. And a whole lot of that time was spent with the people that the culture didn't really want to spend time with. And the kingdom of God was received there mightily. What can we learn from that today? What can we learn from that? Obedience to Jesus in this area means that we are willing to consider others and tend to the needs of others, even if we have no legal responsibility to do so. And this is one of the hallmarks, as I said, of the early Christian church. The early church's unity in Christ brought them to care for and bless each other and those around them, even at the risk or the reality of personal loss of time and resources. Are we going to be obedient to Christ in that example? So I challenge you here. Look outside your own circle. Look outside your, your normal routine. Look in areas that you don't normally look. Think about areas of your lives and your neighborhoods and this place that we live. Think about those areas that you don't usually look. And see where God has already provided an opportunity for you to bless others. We're going to dig into that big time this fall with our Joining Jesus on His Mission series. Um, but it's not something you have to wait until then to be thinking about and be mindful of. So. so those are some big things on obedience, right? And 
Again, let me be clear, obedience is not going to unlock God's love and favor for us. God loves you already. And so much of what God is blessing you with goes unrealized when we're not obedient. The entire kingdom of God, the entire life and richness and love of Jesus Christ is here waiting for us. What are we going to do with it? I encourage you, be mindful of Jesus, be mindful of his word and the life that he calls us to. And if we want to experience God moving in big ways, huge ways, let's begin by being obedient in the little simple ways too. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, you are good, and we thank you um, that you call us to a better life than what we could ever do on our own. And we see that life revealed in Jesus Christ. We see that life revealed in how um, throughout history, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and ever since, Lord, when, um, when your people are faithful, when your people are obedient, um, we do a better job realizing your goodness and your grace and the gifts that you have for us. And Lord, I pray that none of us would be tempted to take this down uh, some sort of like transferring of goods and services path. This isn't what we're talking about, God. We don't give gifts, we don't do good things just to receive something in return. Rather, God, we realize everything we have is of you. And in a perfect world, in a perfectly lived out faith, everything we have is for you. Every piece. So Lord, um, work in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, help us to understand and better live out um, your truth as it pertains to this obedience. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to begin enjoying it and experiencing the joy that comes with following you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.